I have a very special guest joining me today. This is the Journey to Kid Lit Podcast, episode 18. Welcome to the Journey to Kid Lit Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Van Sickle, and each week on the show, we'll discuss what it takes to write, publish, and market your kids' book. Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the Ultimate Writing Binder, the number one resource all children's book writers need to go from idea to finished kids' book. To learn more, visit journeytokidlit.com slash ultimate writing binder. Hey there, and welcome to the Journey to Kid Lit podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brooke Van Sickle. And today on the show, I have a special guest with me. Laura Siegel Stegman is here to talk about her book. Hey, Laura, how are you? I'm great, Brooke. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. I'm so excited. So you have a new middle grade coming out. It's called Summer of Luck, and it comes out next month in September. Um, So tell us a little bit about that book. Sure. My um, Summer of Luck is, as you said, a middle grade book for kids 8 to 12. It's my debut. And it's about three kids who... um, find their way to self-acceptance with the help of a ghost who haunts a magical carnival. Oh, I love it. That sounds fun. So where'd your inspiration come from? Let me tell you a little bit more about the story to answer that question. Um, the, the three main characters are, are three kids who struggle with communication. Darby, who's 11, um, she, she stutters. And Naz, who's 10, he and his mom just moved here to the United States from Morocco, and he speaks Arabic and French, but he's just learning English. And Justin, uh, his, who is 12, his father passed away a few months before the story starts, and he's stopped talking. So um, they all meet at summer camp, and they hear this magical uh uh, calliope music, like from a carousel, and nobody else hears it except that the three of them. And when they hear it, they start hearing each other's thoughts, and they're able to communicate that way. And that is pretty transformative for <laughs> these three kids. And they want to know, you know, where is this coming from? What's happening? And so they they find uh, that there's this abandoned uh, warehouse next to camp. And they hear that the music's coming from there. They find out that that used to be, uh, uh, it's a place where carnival rides are, were used to be built. And um, so they, they sneak away and they, they head into the, they get into the building one night and it's all sort of dark and empty. And all of a sudden it bursts into a magical carnival and they meet the ghost who haunts it. The ghost is in human form. He's the, man who, when he was alive, used to own this, this warehouse. And um, he asked them to help him reconcile his three adult children who are estranged. And in return, he tells them he'll help them find their voices. And he takes them on a series of carnival rides, and, and they end up in a very different place at the end of the book than they were when it began. So um, that idea of finding, finding a voice, a kid finding their voice related, I related so much to that because um, when I was a kid, I really struggled with that. I, I didn't stutter, but I, it took me a lot of years to really learn that I was entitled to have a voice and I could, I could use it. 
and I could use it in, a, in an appropriate way. And um, when I was a kid, one of my favorite books was, was this book called The Diamond in the Window. It's about a brother and sister. And there were magical elements in that book too. And the girl, the, the, she was really the main character of the book. She had freckles like I have freckles. And I, I mean, I had freckles very, my freckles when I was a little girl were very prominent. They're much less so now, but I still have them. And she hated her freckles and so did I. And I never read a book about a girl with freckles who hated them and talked about it like that, you know? And um, in the course of that book, she, she got to have a choice at one point, again, using these magical elements where she, she got to see her life in the future without freckles. And then she got to see it where she kept her freckles and the life that she ended up with when she kept her freckles was the life that she really wanted, a life that she really, um, felt happy about. And I just, I just love that idea. And that, and I thought about what I wanted to do with my free time, you know, free time in quotes, because not that I have that much, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to write a book for kids. And, and I wanted to, my idea was, my goal was to help some kid maybe feel the same way that I felt about that book really made an impression on me. Yeah. So that was the the gist of the story behind Summer of Luck. Really cool. So how did you connect with your publisher? Well, I started writing this book so many years ago, uh, the early 2000s. And I didn't know really anything about writing fiction. I'm not a trained fiction writer. I, I work in public relations. I have my own firm. And in that, I write a lot. I write press releases. Sometimes I write feature stories. I write pitch letters. I know how, you know, even that didn't always help me with query letters, but because it's a whole different field. Yes. So it took me a long time to, to, to bring Summer of Luck from its first draft to where it is today, mm-hmm. many, many years. And of course I didn't do it full time. I, I was, you know, very, you know, I have a very full life with, with my, with my business, but, um, but it was the thing that I wanted to do. It was, you know, it was like my dream job. If I could do, if I could do anything, yeah, I wanted to write fiction. I wanted to write stories and I learned to do it as I, as I went, I got a lot of help. I worked with a development editor who really helped me a great deal. And then after that, I started working with other writers. And so even though I have been pitching querying agents all through a lot, through a lot of that time and getting rejections during the last two or three years, I, I actually started getting responses, positive responses from agents in terms of requesting the full manuscript or more pages or whatever. And ultimately, you know, they, they rejected me and, or they, they rejected me. See, I, that's how how it feels, but um, they rejected this book and, but, you know, with a lot of encouragement, it's really well-written or I love this, but this doesn't speak to me or, you know, whatever they, they end up saying. One, one agent said, she said, I'm really going to regret passing on this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay. <laughs> so um, after, so, so last year, 
I, I have a friend who, who is also a, a writer of middle grade books, and she went to an independent publisher directly. And she encouraged me to do that. And at first I'm like, no, 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 no. I want an agent. I need, I, that's my, my, my path as a writer. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe I, I wouldn't get one. And um, so last year I said, I, Finally, I just set a set a goal. You know, I'm going to pitch 100 agents. That's what they say to do. And um, I got a lot of interest. Like I said, a lot of a lot of requests, including when I was on the verge of starting to go to small publishers, I got another request. So I had to wait a couple months. But that was that ended up being a really good thing. So anyway, I, just, I decided that that on my last rejection, I was going to. Uh, put together a list of small publishers. And um, I found to my surprise, there are a lot of small publishers that will accept unagented work. I did a lot of research. I picked 18 to query and I queried them and I got a couple of requests pretty quickly. And, and some of them required that you send 10 pages but some of them asked for the full manuscript and about two or three weeks after I submitted to my, my publisher, which is intense publications, I got an email from them um, saying they loved my book and they wanted to publish it. And not only that, but they would, would I be interested in writing two sequels and having them publish two sequels as well? And the book was always intended as a series, but to have not only, someone say, I love this book without then saying, but (laughs) I love this book. I want to publish it. And I want to, I want to publish two additional uh, sequels as well. And so, you know, of course I had conversations with them. I didn't just say, okay, sign here. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. I checked them out. I talked to them and they, they, they're, they're, I loved what they were doing. I loved um, the people that work there, and that's my uh, dream come true, Cinderella story of Summer of Luck. Yeah, I think that's so important, too, because so many people, you know, you get started, you think it has to go in a specific way. You have to get an agent, then you have to work with a traditional publisher, and really, there's so many different ways that you could um, go about in the publishing industry, you know, and you could still get an agent if you wanted later, but it's so exciting. You got three books. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the middle of, or in the middle of the, the second sequel, it's due in a couple of months. And, um, I've been working on it very, very diligently since, since I signed the contract. I I mean, I actually, actually, that's not true. I, I, I hadn't written anything new, you know, ever for one mm-hmm. thing, but you know, I've been, I've been working on revisions. Um, but one of my critique partners and I decided last August, we we're going to write for, th- you know, for 30 days and, 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 and write, I think we set a goal of like 10,000 words, which was crazy, but um, we both started writing and that's, that's how I started the sequel even before I, I had this contract. And then um, once I had this contract, I had to, you know, make a commitment to write all the time or every night. I've been, I've been writing very frequently ever since then. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not close to finishing, but I'm, but I'm close enough. So um, last night I finished, in fact, last night I finished 
these four chapters that had been just killing me. And I'm so, it's like, I'll, I, I promised myself I'll never forget that I can actually do this. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's important too. Because I mean, it's interesting, your book isn't even out yet. And already you have to be finishing up the final draft for your second book. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And my head is so much in that book that I, it's not like I forget about Summer of Luck um, yeah. at all. I never forget about it. But but sometimes I have to think, oh, wait, is this happening in the second book or is this in the fir- from the first book? So fortunately, I, I just, um, I had to do a proofread for Summer of Luck. So I had my head back in that one a little bit. That's good. What has been um, some, what's been like one major thing or like a really big challenge you've had publishing your book? Publishing the book or writing it? Uh, publishing, like coming up with it, uh, you know, actually creating this book. So, cause you have a new publisher. So how is it? How's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm um, being, you know, a small publisher means that I have a, a, a lot of uh, my own promotional work. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately I've, I am a public, a publicist. I, 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 if people don't know what that means, I, um, I generate media coverage for my clients. Now, I'm not a book publicist, so I've never worked in the book world. But kind of like writing, I mean, I have learned by, by reading, by following social media, you know, by following other authors in their journey. I've, I've, looked, I've looked, scoured the internet for, for um, great, book websites like, like, and podcasts like this one, where, um, you know, I feel like I could, I could reach people that I want to reach when I talk about Summer of Luck. And um, so I've been doing a lot of that too. I mean, talk about busy. You know, one thing that the, that the pandemic has worked to my advantage is as awful as it has been for, for, you know, Everyone for the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had more time to write and more time to do promotional marketing work, and I'm I'm loving it. I mean, I was very one of the reasons I was super hesitant to go to a small publisher when I was talking about finding an agent was because I thought that um, I didn't want to promote myself. I mean, that's you know. As a publicist, you know, no good publicist gets the spotlight. That's like the 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 cardinal rule of being a publicist. Yeah. But I kept talk. I kept sort of whining about this to a, a very close friend of mine. Yeah. And she just said, "Why not? Why not?" And we talked about it a little, and it turned out that "why not" was so trivial. I mean, it was a big deal to me. It was kind of a personal reason that had to do with very much going back to finding my voice, you know? Mm -hmm. And I realized I was hesitating because I was afraid of what people A, B, and C would think about that. And then I, once I realized that I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be fine. And I really, I really do love it. I've done, I've done a couple of, um, you know, blogs. So I've answered the questions in writing and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
moving into podcasts and video interviews, it's been very um, rewarding. I, and I'm proud of myself for, for, you know, for putting myself out there because it isn't the easiest thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of you too. I think that's so great that you brought that up because I know a lot of authors, they get kind of scared and fearful of putting themselves out there because a lot of us, myself included, we're introverts. And so you don't want to like get out of your comfort zone as much, but you have to push your book. Otherwise, because you're, you're the book's biggest cheerleader. Yeah, and I see now, I mean, ha- being in the company of all these other authors that I've connected with and that I continue to connect with in different Facebook groups and, and other social media opportunities and the, the, the society for the, um, the let's Writer. see, yeah, SB, <laughs> I can't, yeah, them, um, yeah, that, I see that authors who are published by the big five publishers are doing as much of this kind of thing as I am. And, and without that, you know, I mean, the world is not the way that it was not only six months ago, but five years ago, you know, and publishing is, is, has changed. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I'm glad I have the, that, that's one of the things that being a publicist has absolutely um, worked in my favor. Cause I, I, I know how to write a pitch letter. I know how to, to, to tell a prospective interviewer what I could talk about that hopefully they might be interested in. Yeah, no, it's actually a really good skill to have. So I think that's great. So what's been your favorite part so far? Of, of writing or, no, just of your of the getting your book ready to get out. So like the whole publishing process. Oh well, I was waiting to see my cover for a long time, and and uh, Intense gave me this form to fill out when I first signed, where it had all these questions, and you know they asked for images and things that I had in mind for the cover, and I had this, I had this design in mind, and it was going to be perfect, and. Um, and then when I, and then when I saw the first draft of what they put together, which is essentially the cover that you see that my book is now, um, where you have Darby, the backs of Darby Naz and and Justin peeking into the door of the the um, the warehouse and seeing this lit up Ferris wheel. That's that's what the cover is, and it's in all these like a lot of orange because the building itself is a big orange building. I was like, oh, that's nothing like what I had in mind. But, but I was like, you know what? This is awesome. Because I love the, the silhouette of the kids. Um, it was like, that, that's them. That, look at Naz's ears. His, you know, not that he... There's any reference in the book to his ears, but it just he's the youngest. He just he's a funny character, and um, I loved I loved it. And it turned out because of all this orange that I realized as I looked at it that the cover of the diamond in the window has a huge amount of orange in it. And I couldn't have planned that. No, I think that's great. Yes. A lot of us have like specific ideas, even for like our main characters and stuff. If you're making like a picture book and 
So when you let the illustrators of whoever and like the cover designers go, they normally come up with a better idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Another thing that I, that I have, you know, like I said, Summer of Luck was written over so many years that, um, that I would say the last 10 years were really more revision. Although I, I really had to add a lot of, lot of stuff um Mm -hmm. to summer of luck because all i kept being told not enough conflict not enough conflict and i also had um there's a scene in the in the end of the book where darby has to darby gets tricked into performing at the camp talent show and because she stutters and because she's very you know solitary and shy that's like the most horrible thing in the world to yeah. her but she ends up doing that and um it's a pivotal moment uh at the end of the book and in my in most of my first drafts i'd say you know before i started working with this development editor you don't you didn't see the the talent show it just gets referred to she did it and he this development editor said to me you, you have to have the talent show so one of the things that i love about writing was the experience of writing the talent show and experiencing with darby what happened to her as she performed and i love that and and i didn't know how that was going to happen this is this is an example of something about how it feels to write as i'm sure you you would agree um you know I don't, it just suddenly it's there, you know, and, and the, the idea of it, meaning I went into writing that knowing what was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And so, um, as I wrote, it was like, I got to feel like Darby felt and, um, and proud of herself. And, you know, I was proud of myself that I wrote that too. Yeah. and as I'm writing this, you know, the sequel, same thing happens. You know, I, I, I know the arc of the book. I know what I want to happen. I know what I want to say in this sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am amazed somehow when somehow, you know, I, I start coming up with these things that I'm not sure where they're coming from, obviously my head, but yeah, you know, I mean, I just, I try to stay open to that because the idea of, of, um, you know, seeing a story unfold before my amazed eyes is, is, is so exciting and rewarding. And it, 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 it gives me, it gives me what I'm looking for when I decided to write a book, you know, that was the most important thing. Yeah. So, I think that's awesome. Especially when you get to know your characters more than you end up like, you know, experiencing more with them, you feel closer, you understand how they react. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So what's the best advice you can give someone who's looking to publish a book? My best advice is never give up. Um, you know, just keep working at it. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, they never, um, they've written like 10 books or five books or two books, you know, and it wasn't until they wrote the second book that they got an agent or a publisher and, or, or they've had agents and the agent had to say, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to sell this book, but, I, but you need to write something else. 
Um, I mean, I've never had that experience. Uh, it sounds like that would be even harder than what I actually went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I believed in this book from the very beginning. I love this book. This is the book of my heart. And I was told by, you know, you get involved with other writers, you get involved with people who help mentor you. You know, I did a lot of those Twitter contests and I got, I got a lot of feedback on, on Summer of Luck. And I remember this one person made this remark that was like, you know, you need to give up this book and move on. And I was like, she didn't say it directly to me. It was sort of a, something that I, that I heard, heard about. And, um, course I blocked her on Twitter but (laughs) (laughs) um but um that that wasn't gonna work for me and I it was it was pretty soon after that that what I did was I made this list of affirmations and I read one a day and there's stuff like on the list that um like this can happen to me or or there's no age limit to my dreams um or, or you know like I, I put down, <clears throat> I put down quotes from uh, Lady Gaga, like she talked about never give up, you know, just keep going, just pick yourself up. And and there's a quote from Einstein on the list. I forgot what it what it says without looking at it. But and every day I would read one of those, you know, one of those affirmations because I needed to keep myself committed you know rejections are hard rejections are disappointing and they're terrible you know even in most of the time the 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 agents or whoever's rejecting you they're very nice about it it's not like they tell you you're a loser or anything like that but it feels that way sometimes so um i would i would say you know overcoming rejection is is really you know find a way to to um to deal with it there's i just read this piece this morning from a blogger and she talked about really good ways to you know move on from from rejection you know talk to other people there and and see how many authors are experiencing the same thing you know you are not alone so uh i absolutely say do it believe in yourself keep going and get help from other writers. You know, that, that was really a key for me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's such great advice. So you have a lot going on. And if someone wanted to get connected with you and figure out everything or check out Summer of Luck when it comes out, where should they go? Well, Intense Publications, which is just like it sounds, intensepublications.com. It has it available for pre-order. It comes out September 15th. And uh, it's available in ebook, hardback, or paperback. And um, but you can also visit my website, which is laurastegman.com, and find out more about Summer of Luck there. You could sign up for my mailing list, and I'm also uh, Summer of Luck's also on Goodreads, so you can go there and market to read or want to read. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. And we'll link to things in the podcast too. So don't worry about having to write those all down. You can go to the podcast link and get those. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on the podcast. It's been great having you. Oh, thank you, Brooke. I've had a wonderful time. I've really enjoyed talking to you.
Thank you so much to Laura Stegman for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Laura or her book, Summer of Luck, you can visit the podcast tab at journeytokidlit.com slash episode 18 to get all of the links. Well, that about does it for today's episode of the Journey to Kidlit podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you have a thought about today's episode or a suggestion for future ones, send me an email or reach out to me via Twitter. And if you liked what you heard today, be sure to leave a review. And while you're there, subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Until next time, happy writing.